I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the hardest Tour de France stage, maybe Grand Tour stage we have ever covered and maybe we've seen in the last 20 years in terms of overall difficulty. This was the Saint-Gervais-Mont-Blanc to Courchevel stage the queen stage of the tour featuring four proper climbs, 166Ks, but it would still be a five-hour-plus stage uh, for a lot of these riders. And we have the Col de Saisie straight off the, the bat. Category 1 climb, 10 points for KOM on offer, 13.5Ks, 5.1%, but a bit irregular. Descent, no flat. Then the 20-kilometre, 6% Corne de Rosalon, only a Category 1, bit mean. Then another descent, a little bit of 10k valley. Our first valley is with uh, 88k's done in the race. Then the Côte de Longuefoix, which is 6.7k, 7.5%. A very technical descent off that. And then another short valley before the 30km climb up to Col de la Lose. Now, they don't do the same direction as 2020. It is slightly easier this time. 10k, 7%, 3k's recovery in Meribel where Luke has a chalet, and then another 12, 11Ks, 8% up to 2,300 metres, the souvenir Henri de Grange before a technical descent, down to the finish, and then a brutal uphill to the Altiport Benji, 5,400 metres elevation gain. This is very different to all the other stages we've had, including Chouplain. Yeah, that's a lot. Eh? That's not a sprint stage. That's not the stage where you'll <laughs> say Philipson will out-sprint Wellsford on the Altiport to, uh, to Courchevel, that's for sure. This is a very hard stage. And especially because the situation for GC, it wasn't completely dead yet. Yes, the gap was significant after yesterday. So we were kind of worried that the tour was over yesterday evening. But there's still something there, right? There's still something UAE can do. There's still something Yumbo can do because they're also not 100% certain yet. So the stage this promise some fireworks, especially also for the battle of the podium, the third position, and then the fight within the top 10 and to get in the top 10. So I was curious to see all those uh, chess moves because I feel like today's stage started off as a chess match between teams. It, it, it kind of felt like that. As in, we've got the obvious start, the breakaway formation phase. We've got loads of teams that want to be in the breakaway, but we also know the other factor. We know that on the Juplan stage, which was a few days ago, Yumbo paced regardless of who was ahead. I was kind of expecting that same formula today because, well, despite them being ahead in GC, they still want to make sure that Bogachar's burst is a bit less on the final climb in the same way that it did a few days ago. So I expected somewhat of pacing up from Yumbo behind in the first place, but large breakaways tried getting away. We, he, we had breakaway formations that actually caused trouble from people behind, right? Because at a certain moment, Adam Yates was behind? Yeah, in the initial flat bit before the Col de Saisie even started, there was, you know, some good tug buddy action. Love to see it. And it really split the group apart. Ciccone was ahead with Pedersen and Paulus. Paulus was refusing to work with him. And so I don't really know. Uh, Paulus kind of, he, he had no chance for KOM really up, you know, yeah. even before this stage. And then 
yeah, Yates was split off the back with Hindley with like three other UAE domestiques. And I think maybe even Van Aert. Van Aert was not looking good throughout this whole season. He was doing, you know how Benji at the start of the cobble stage last year in the tour, he had that off feel about him where he's just like dangling at the back where you're like, why are yeah. you at the back during break formation? Yeah. And anyway, but yeah, they were split off the back. UAE brought him back. No problems. Get to Calder says he, Alaphilippe's jumping too much. I'm like, my man, Trek have been doing tug buddy action every stage. The break will not go unless Chicane is in it. Just follow the man in the polka dot trousers, top, hat, sunglasses, head unit, socks. Follow that man and you will get in the breakaway. <laughs> and you won't have to put your nose in the wind. Would be my suggestion before today's stage. But anyway, a break goes and it does have Alaphilippe in it. It has Haig, Chicane, Schielmoser. So Trek are happy. It's got Costa, Gal, uh, Lefebvre, Marker, Nalens. Three from Jayco, though. Simon Yates, Craddock, and Harper. And Simon Yates started this stage in, I don't know, eighth in GC on 13 mm -hmm. minutes or something. And he's got tug buddies in there, Shampoo Sam Gregard. All of a sudden, Benji, Marcus starts trying to slip in. Yeah. And this prompts a reaction. We see Van Bala, and Van Bala starts chasing really hard on the Col de Sezi, sending a hard pace, not letting that gap go. And people are like, is it for. Simon Yates, surely they're not scared of Simon Yates. And no, that's not the answer. I don't think so either. I thought it was because of Micah. But while all this is happening, while this, this chase is ongoing, Van Bala pacing in the peloton, Micah trying to slip up in the breakaway and gain a, a satellite rider ahead for Pogacar, Pogacar crashes. Oh, yeah, he crashes true. in the early section of this race. And he basically rides into the, the back wheel of the Ajde Zer rider ahead of him. Whether the Ajde Zer rider slowed a tiny bit and that happened, it's still Pogacar's in brackets, fault. I don't necessarily blame him. A lot of riders have that mistake of slight inattentiveness, then falling like that. But he fell in, there was blood on his knee, there's blood on his left elbow, so both on the left side. I don't remember which side his, his um, wrist was on. But regardless of that, it looked like he jumped on the bike very quickly, that he was back at the front of the race very quickly. But it can't help, right? Having this happen on a stage where you're supposed to YOLO for the Tour de France victory. And it's also, he never crashes like that too, but all not that I've seen. Um, yeah. Really inattentive. He's got cat-like reflexes normally. So is that fatigue, inattentiveness, you know, the, it's hot conditions? I don't know. I mean, or maybe he just crashed because the balance of probability says that you will crash eventually if you ride in the pro peloton. But, you know, it didn't look horrific. I would say the crash on the Altacam descent or Spandell descent, you know, might have been worse last year. But yeah, Yumbo. With Van Bala holding the break at 20 seconds, they launch Benote across with Vingegaard and Koos Benji. They basically attack across to the breakaway, shutting that one down. Yeah. Because poor old Rafael Michael was, <laughs> was in there, who actually ended up going for the stage later. So um, they obviously, they did not want UAE in the break unless they yep. were at least represented themselves. And I did feel like the move didn't go 100% as they initially planned, as in they probably tried to bridge with Bernard and Kuz to the breakaway, is how I felt it. But then UAE started mingling in between and kind of jumped into the, to the third spot in front of Kelderman behind Kuz, and that caused the entire group to basically catch the breakaway. That group would thin out because a lot of GC riders would have been dropped at that point, a lot of other riders were dropped, and some came back afterwards, but a lot of people were like, why is Yumbo making this race hard? What are they doing? And... I agree that I think it is to make uh, to neutralize Micah in the breakaway. And next to that, it's a it's a welcome aspect of the race of that event that 
GC Kuz has been defended once again against Simon Yates. For now. <laughs> for now. Because then the race continues. We've got that group in the peloton. Well, the break has been caught, but a few riders don't like that. So we see the same move of Alaphilippe in the descent just over the top of Col de Cézy. Jack Hague and so forth trying to get in there once again. Ciccone also trying to get in there. But yeah, in that descent, he was there. But then afterwards, he, he kind of dropped back a bit. But then he wasn't present again in the large group because Kielmose joined then. Mühlberger, Vermarke, Nylans, Nospiters and, and Harper were bridging to that group. And that's the initial part of the breakaway, right? That's the group we have ahead now. And I'll throw it to you. Well, yeah, the door came back on the descent and went to the front. <laughs> and it was Laporte? like, yes, he, he opened the door and basically the, <laughs> the, break, the break was allowed. Anyone was allowed to go at, on, in that short valley before Rosalind. Yeah. Unless you're a UAE rider. And so literally anyone that wanted to, if you were there in the valley, go in the break if you want. And so, yeah, that's where this super strong break formed. And yeah, it's like. Yumbo don't care about Simon Yates. They don't care about gold, which, you know, despicable. GC Coos was poorly defended today, I would say. Um, but, yeah, they, they let that break go. And yeah. then eventually, and then they start pacing. The break's gone. It's, got, it's a really strong break. Like, goal has got the class. If you look at the guy who's in a group of five on Plan after a hard stage, 20 minutes into the climb, he's in the breakaway. He has the class that even if the gap is tight on lows, he can he could go all the way. Same with same with Simon Yates um, in that group, and Godou and and Pino were there. Pino, I didn't really see. I don't know when he bridged across. Maybe there was a counter move on the on the next climb. Pino attacked across, leaving Godou. Is very they yeah. didn't really help each other. Anyway, Laporte starts pacing. The gap's a minute six. Yumbo doing exactly what they did on Juplan, setting a hard pace. All of a sudden, Benji. Two UAE jump out of the peloton again. Yeah. Soler and Micah with Kelder, Kelder Goat and Benoit in tow. And it's like, a, it's a pretty solid move here eh? because both teams are, are happy with getting satellite riders in the breakaway at that point. Then we see that Soler and Micah do most of the work, Soler most of the work of bridging the gap to the breakaway because the gap is nearing one minute at this point, maybe over one minute a tiny bit at that point. So Soler had to do quite a bit of work to get those three to the front. Benoit and Kelderman being there, I was sad. Because when that happened, I was like, oh yeah, they're throwing GC Cuz right in the bin right now. Because if they've got other people in there, then they're going to be happy with letting this gap go out a bit. And all those riders in the breakaway that are going to pass Cuz in GC, I'm going to be sad about. But anyway, that bridge happened. And then I noticed that Solaire was in difficulty at the back of the group the second that they reached that group. So he spent the energy truly trying to get to that group. And would you reckon he was bluffing again or was this truly think, not I, being able to I think he's Almeida. I think I think he's on the Almeida training program. I'm not joking. I think he's on the Almeida training program. Really? Can't, can't search. Possible. Look how strong he was at the end. That's true. He there's no way he's fucked there, right? Yeah. It, Maybe it, after the effort, he needs to recover or something. But it happens every climb. Happened the other day. I, it must be. I don't know. Or maybe he's just. Maybe it's inexplicable, and he's just doing Marks all their things. I love him for it. Um. Anyway. Yumbo get two in. Soler looks suspect, but I didn't trust it. I was like, Soler will be good when he wants to be good. And to be honest, there wasn't really much that exciting that happened in this, the rest of this stage yeah. until the final climb, except for Yumbo just pacing really hard with Laporte and Van Hoydonk for the, the Rosalond. Like, really, they held the gap to 
maybe 230, 240. Yeah. Uh, the breakaway, they had to let out a little bit because in the break, you got really good climbers. You've got Ciccone, who's being pulled by Schielmoser. Jack Haig did a fantastic job for Bill Bal today. He was pulling really, really hard on the climbs and the descents. And I don't think O'Connor was pulling yet on the Rosalond. I think it was no. mainly Haig and Shrek trying to extend the gap because it was at 106 for a long time. And I think what really helped the break, Benji, was we get over the top of the Rosalond. And, and I almost think it was easier in the break today than the GC group. The hmm. break went slower on the climbs than the GC group, but yeah. then was able to take a lot of time on the, uh, on the descents and the valleys. And so the GC group actually was doing the climbs super hard. And that's why we see some very strange results in the final climbing times on lows. And it's not that it's a, a tiny group either. Eh? We've got a group ahead that is basically the size of the peloton behind on the climb. So the draft is basically the same in both groups as long as you're, you're not pacing at the front all the time. And with all these domestiques in front, I felt like it was becoming a battle. And we get onto that Côte de Longfois, and there we see a new, uh, a new champion join the fray. A new champion enter the, enter the arena. Ineos goes to the front in the peloton. It was not that far from the top of the Côte de Longfois, with Freyla pacing after Nathan van Hooydonk had done the initial part of the climb. And they work for a bit. Then UAE and Jumbo Visma basically start fighting for the front position before the descent. That wasn't a really interesting fight, in my opinion. Them trying to like one over each other every second that someone passes each other just to get into that descent, which was a bit sketchy, to be honest. They got into that descent, they're pushing through, and the peloton Bernal crashes. So Ineos's positioning was probably also to get their team into safety, but he just slid out in the corner and oh, he that was, happens he sometimes. He was miles back. I think he was nearly yeah. dropping on long fra. Then the gap goes to. 315 because you've got this this effect where Ineos is now pacing in the valley with Bora but their domestiques are going off the front one by one they're basically dying at the front of the peloton and in the breakaway you've got the same effect domestiques going through one by one by one Craddock for example for Simon Yates they still had other domestiques in that group like Chris Harper and so forth and then O'Connor was still there after the first domestique of Ajazer was Nas it? Pateres. Nospiters was done working as well. So it was a, a fight between which domestiques were going to hold longer. And I feel like the the breakaway kind of won that fight against Craddock Ineos. was super strong. Yeah. Yeah, like Paul, I mean Paul impressive he was there. FDJ, I don't know what they were doing. There was a bigger pissing contest actually in the breakaway at the top of yeah. Longfoy. And FDJ dropped Kung. I was like, guys, yeah, what, whatever two seconds quicker you go on this climb. That big lad will help you in the valley a lot more. So I was surprised they, they dropped him. Um, but yeah, I, I know he's my, I'm not friends with him, but I thought, hey, yeah, on the descents, I've not seen him descend, like up and down descending, yeah. really, really good today. And um, for Bill Bauer, and same with O'Connor, because yeah, we get to that final climb and it's over three minutes. And, feel, and listen, Felix Gold has been a brilliant climber in Tour de Suisse on the long climbs. He was just outstanding. He's a revelation. And even in the Tour de France, he's confirmed it that he's legit. But you're still starting a 28-kilometer climb oh. with a gap of maybe 245 at the base of Col de la Lowe's. And O'Connor and Haig, it was like maybe a little bit of competition, but, man, they were... They went all out, and they, you could hear Julien Jardy on the radio. He was yeah. like, you need a pool, dude, a long time. You need a pool he, to uh, Maribel. 
that was that was really nice to hear like the the encouragement from the car and also the factor of like oh there's one Enios rider behind yeah. left you gotta keep going O'Connor you gotta keep going man I love that stuff I loved hearing that type of audio it it feels like today was a really good day when it comes to the audio later in the race I'll I'll mention another tape that I really found interesting kind of sad but anyway. We are at the foot of Cordula Los. The reason that Ineos and Bora were pacing in the valley beforehand was to make sure that the riders in the breakaway wouldn't be hindering their GC positions with Hindley and with Rodriguez, basically. Kesamaniates up there and so forth. So they wanted to keep that gap a bit a bit close, I would say. But Cordula Los starts and Ineos still pacing. Was it good still Freyler? Because Freyler got good like day, right? He dropped out of an art, didn't he? Yeah, he did. But good also... Fra- the, the, the length of his pulls, because he also pulled on Logfa. Super hard. And the, and the peloton is, is a joke at this point. It's smaller than the breakaway. Jorg Zimmerman is there? I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you, I mean, yeah, like, congrats. It was, I was, I was, all the, these funny things on these weird stages. I was like, wow, he's got a big engine, that dude. But yeah, <laughs> when Fred was pulling, and this is a situation for Yumbo. Van Aert's dropped, not being able to pull. Van Hoydonk Laporte dropped. Koos is deep in the group 10th wheel. He's been hiding. Van Baal's there. He's pulling faces. And Van Baal is not as good as Micah, Soler, Yates, Gross, Schartner, typically on a climb. Yeah. Uh, being realistic. Uh, first of all, I thought at this point when Van Aert dropped, you could interpret that as kind of weakness from Yumbo. They do have two riders up the road in Kelderman and Benoit who have not been doing any work. And I thought if Poggy feels good here, it would be typical for UAE before Maribel to do their pace that they want. Yeah. Not Ineos pace. And when that didn't happen, first thing I was like, I'm not sure Poggy's that good. Second thing, he looked like shit. Already <laughs> at the base of lows. Really pale and just like, he didn't look as fresh as you plan. And it's like, it's sad to see because like, we're, we're used to seeing him so enthusiastic and hyped up on the bike. And it's like his eyes say a lot, you know? When, yeah. when he's on, he's on, and his eyes say that. And today, his eyes were just so pale, and when I was starting to get worried, is he sick? Is it pure fatigue after all these days? I don't know. But we saw some weakness there, and it took a bit longer. Like, we were with roughly 15k on the climb, the gap was 215 to the, uh, to the breakaway, then Castro 5k later, yeah, exactly. 5k later with 10k left on the climb, the gap is 230 now, because O'Connor had been doing that godlike yeah. work. And we get to 7K from the top, and we get a shot from the back of the GC group. And oh, who is there? Oh, we should just, uh, yeah, so just to show up the climb. So, like, there is a rest period here in Maribel. So, like, I was thinking, what are Yumbo going to do with these riders dropping back? I was also thinking, yeah. what are Ineos going to do? Because Pidcock's dropped. Who can pace for Rodriguez? And then when is Goal going to go? And so, yeah, there is this Maribel period where. As you said, Benji, you know, that's where I thought, okay, is Adam Yates going to start doing his his pace here? But yeah, the, I would say O'Connor was pacing against Castro, and that's why we basically have a gap that didn't move. Yeah. 215, 230, because they're equivalent climbers, maybe O'Connor even better. Um, and so this break was just so strong and such good teamwork in it. But yeah, continue your point about, yeah, now the the big moment. The big moment was happening. We saw the GC group and one of the two big champions the ones that have been fighting for 18 days so far in this Tour de France, 17 days so far in this Tour de France, that were so close 
every single day except like two days in the first week, which <laughs> it's kind of weird, huh? That they were so close in the second week, a bit further away on opposite side of the extremes in week one. And now in week three, we see real damages on one end. After yesterday, when it comes to the time trial, major deficit. But today, he was dropping with seven kilometers to go, Pogacar and Soler was waiting for him. He lost the wheel of Solaire every now and then from then onwards, and he was destined to lose five-plus minutes, in my Big opinion. Time. Yeah, because if you're dropping with this long left on Col de la Lowe's, the hardest climb we have in the Tour, and the hardest finish with those ramps, bear in mind, through Bahrain paced, and I remember Carapaz only got caught by the GC group in 2020 in the snake narrow bits. And, yeah. and then it really only started kicking off two 2.5Ks from the finish. He's dropping so far from the finish, and it's clear that he's having a major problem because he's dropping before Rodriguez. He's dropping before Yates, before Hindley. He's having a major crisis. And yeah, like Yumbo predictably, Kuz goes to the front and starts setting a steady tempo. And, you know, that's, that is the race. That is the tour over at that moment. Like, there is nothing... Whether it's three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, you know, that's the tour over because Jonas has Kuz, he has two riders waiting up the road. It's a bad situation for Pogacar. And Benji, they, UAE kind of accept that very quickly. Yep. They don't call Micah back. They, as you said, Soler waits, but Yates, and I think Poggy on the radio himself, that Yates just fully went for his third, which, you know, was the right decision um, because n honestly, no one could really help Pogacar in that moment. Like, Soler was there for moral support, really. Yeah. Exactly, and especially on the on the harder gradients of Gola yeah. it doesn't matter when it comes to draft, but the moral support is super, super valuable. And when Tare Pogacar on the team radio, on TV said, I'm gone, I'm dead, I fucking crumbled. Like, that was devastating to hear, because like, it, th this is one of the unbeatable guys that we see on television 75% of the year, destroying the rest of the peloton. And now he's showing clear humanity on this climb, dropping so early, and then the... The team manager is the second voice you hear, I think. The DS in the car is the second voice you hear that says, Adam, go for the podium. Soler, stay with Tade. Always with Tade. Something along those lines. And to be able to switch so quickly to that kind of makes I me feel they, like they, they saw it coming. It. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, your point. Yeah, you think you they continue. knew this could happen. It, it feels like a very quick switch to, yeah, I don't know. Like you said. Maybe I never thought they'd make Yates wait in a crisis because yep. they want Yates to take his podium. Micah was the one where I was like, ooh, not making, but he's far up the road at this point. It was only, actually, he was only 2.45 ahead. I was like, wow, so Micah's really going to be given to, to Yates to pace. And so, yeah, that's the climb basically. But in the breakaway, Koos isn't gaining on Felix Gull, who has stepped off Simon Yates. He's stepped off... Uh, who else is in the breakaway that was good? Godou and Pino and... Micah? Yeah, Micah. And he just straight up dropped him. And they're, they're still not calling Micah back. And I was like, they are never catching goal. And also, Vingegaard is never catching goal. Because... Well... Two, two minutes, dude. And when I, I saw Koos pacing and the gap was not moving, I was like, you're not closing it. You're just not. Like, he's too good on this terrain. Exactly. And... The one aspect of goal that we weren't sure about is the descent, and I was worried of the final descent, especially when Simon Yates yeah. kept it up and kept the gap on 20 seconds. And let's, let's first finish off the, the breakaway before we talk what happens afterwards, eh? Uh, in the peloton. 
Gal basically goes into the descent, takes the full points on Corlalos with a gap of roughly 24-25 seconds according yeah. to the ticker on top of Corlalos on Simon Yates, who is still riding at a solid tempo. I'm expecting Simon Yates to come closer in the descent, and the ticker starts going down, but not at a, a major amount. No. It went out to 20, went down to 16 at a certain point, but then on the small kicker in the middle of the descent, it goes back up to 22, so... Gaul must have gone up that kicker a lot faster than Simon Yates or the timer was wrong in the first place. I think Gaul, Gaul had better legs at the end. And, and yeah, he gets to the base of the Altiport clear, maybe 18, 20 seconds, and he's still flying. And I want to see the times on the Altiport if anyone's done them. That's it's crazy. Short, it's a brutal ramp with 14, 18, 20% pinches and Gaul was motoring on it. And he puts over 10 seconds into Yates on that 250 meter section. It's like Peragud. It reminds me of that. That same ramp at the end of like a, a long climb. Peragud was the one where last year Pogacar tried to distance Vingega and sprinted away after they finished together, basically. That steep ramp. That, it reminds me so much of that. And I love this. I actually love this finish. Yeah. I actually, it, it's so brutal to it's see cruel. these riders ride it. So Simon Yates after the race said, well, mate, I wanted it a bit easier at the end, please. But like, I can understand that after riding up it. But as, as Felix Gull is seen on that altiport, you kind of see him coming up and then you see Simon Yates behind him. And from the, from the finishing camera, they always look closer, but it was still a distance where you're like, this is certain. This is a certain victory for Felix Gull. Felix Gull winning for, well, the first time a Grand Tour stage, but he's really made a solid breakthrough here. Was he the guy that rode for Tirol in the Tour of the Alps two years ago? Uh, no, he was on Sunweb. He's another Sunweb cast-off. He had his Neopro contract oh. there. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. He's not Jesus. that young. He's 25. Like, he's not, yeah. he's not old, but he's, 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 this is not his Neopro contract that he's on. And Asia yeah. 2 credit to them, have turned him around, and they win their... Has he won... What races have Asia 2 won this year? They already uh, won a stage this tour. No. No, I don't so think he, so. He now won, they won a Giro stage with Paddy Pantra. He was very good this year so far, APP. And now that Gol wins a Swiss stage and he was good in GC there for a while and now wins the Tour de France Queen stage. And yeah, like AG2R keep winning stages. Three, is yep. At least three years in a row. Four years maybe, I don't know. Like Nance Peters, Ben O'Connor, Bob Jungles and... Felix Gull, they, are, yep. they just keep winning at the Tour de France with different riders, but, and they, they were so good today. Teamwork was on point. But who is Felix Gull? As in, what type of rider? Because we look at this rider and we see a goddamn good climber at both Swiss and at the Tour de France. When it comes to his time trial, I've read that they didn't get the opportunity to work on it this year and won't be able to fix his time trial uh, position this year because his position is apparently pretty fucking bad. So... They can't fix that this year, but are planning to do that in the in the winter. I'm curious to see what progress that can make. It's still Azure Desert, so it's not exactly the the most impressive aerodynamics time trial team in the world, to say the least. But I do I do hope that they can work on that and that we can see a, a full potential Felix Gall next year. Cause this man, like you you said it a few times on the podcast in the in the last three weeks, this guy was recently re-signed by Azure Desert at the perfect timing. Because if they had, other teams would have picked him. And would you say he's more a, a potential GC rider in the Giro for them? Or would you have preferred to see him as a, a Sepp Kuss type on a different team? 
Not great descending. Probably struggles on the flat. TT very questionable. You know. Yeah. Sep Sepkus is is the mold of who I see. You know, he, whatever they sign him to, he he's worth one and a half million now, at least, at least. Yeah. Tour de France Queen stage from the break when it's not like the break got ten minutes. He had to fend off Vingegaard behind. Serious rider. And, you know, AG2R have done an Mate. absolutely fantastic job developing him and also getting him getting that extension in time. Because yeah, Ineos UAE Yumbo, you gotta get in before the sharks start circling. What is he on, you think? Three hundred K? No, no, no. He won Tour de Swiss stage and was in uh, he... Was it was it before or after Tour de Swiss that they resigned him? After, I think. Okay, if it's after, then it's more, eh? I, I can't remember, but it, it can't be it can't be three hundred grand. It'd be more than that. Um, okay. Anyway, but, but yeah. he's got a side. Peloton, fantastic. fantastic. Oh. Well, and then sorry, Simon Yates on thirty-four seconds in second, taking a lot of GC time. Bill Bow also from the break on one thirty-eight, taking a lot of time. But in the peloton, basically Vingegaard just starts to recycle now through his. <laughs> um, yeah. Satellite riders. He drops Adam. Oh, he drops Hindley. He drops Rodriguez. Maybe the pacing of Coos did that. We're now into the hellish up and downs of the end of Caudla Lowe's. He drops or Tejpa notes pacing. Coos just dropped. Coos drops him off to Tejpa note, and that drops Adam Yates quite away from the finish. But notes pacing really hard. Then he brings over, gets him over to Kelderman. Kelderman's got him in the last two k's of the climb, two and a half k's. All of a sudden. And the crowds were again a problem today. We see Vingegaard stopped and there's a blockage. Like the fans of, I think the fans closed in on some motorbikes or the car and basically Vingegaard had to unclip and stop on the climb on these ramps. So not ideal. But at this point, Benji, he's already three and a half minutes ahead of Pogaccio. Like it makes no yeah. difference. I don't think, he was not catching Gull anyway. He was not catching Gull. Um, and it didn't make any difference to GC. Just, it wouldn't have been ideal if those Pagatra and Vingegaard were together and that happened Jesus. or one, was, one had just attacked. That would have been a complete disaster. So, you know, let this be a lesson, a lucky escape for ASO and whoever the yeah. gendarmes. Probably don't want that to happen when it could have really affected GC. And yeah, he just eventually goes clear of Kelderman and starts and mopping up the breakaway guys of Gadu and Bilbao. I will say, however, that in this specific occasion with the motorbike and the car, that I don't know what to point that as in the the like the actual perpetrator because apparently the it was Verclair's motorbike or something that stalled on the uphill gradient just before the car and then the car was stuck couldn't get past the motorbike and that's what happened and if it's like if it's a spectator coming in front of a a motorbike and so forth then there's something happening but if a, if a, if a vehicle stalls then I'm kind of like I don't know you get a better yeah, there's vehicle there's no space to go around because the fans yeah. are still too yeah, narrow so yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter. Vingegaard's riding away, and it, it's he's ending GC, and GC's over. So he he rides, and he takes like I don't know on the climb five minutes, five minutes plus on Pagacha. He actually doesn't drop uh, Bilbao on the last ramp. Right. Remember the last ramp where that's where Pagacha came back in 2020 to Roglic back wheel, and Roglic put 15 seconds into him. That ramp is so steep where he uh, dropped Gadu, and that yeah. actually really cost Gadu a lot that final ramp. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Vingegaard, too good. Mate, you forgot Bilbao Erasure right here. You say, yeah, he, he followed, but on the final ramp to the finish line, on the altiport, he completely destroys Vingegaard, who is barking. <laughs> he was literally dropping. And Danish fans are probably going to come in and say, well, he's, 
he doesn't need to push anymore. He knows that, and that's why he slowed down. But nah, I'm not fucking believing that. Vingegaard was done for, and that final ramp hit his legs, and Bilbao was able to get through that easier. I will believe that for the rest of my life. I think that this is why I said at the start of the show, I think it was almost harder in the peloton than the breakaway today, just based on how Bilbao finished against Vingegaard. Like, was kind of surprising now i know maybe he got to recover on the descent not really like i don't think Vingo was pushing that hard on the descent so yeah i think it was i think it was really really hard in the peloton today and being in the break was the place to be and so an absolute masterclass from gull yates and bilbao they made the right decision go do also like and you miss it you snooze you lose and so Hinley missed it and he really suffered today and obviously Coos he was on GC duties for Vingegaard, so he loses a lot of positions today. Uh, I'll read out the results first. So Vingegaard, okay. 152 behind uh, Gull, which is, let me see where Adam Yates is, nearly a minute 50 ahead of Adam Yates, who was the next best rider from the GC group. Micah paced him. Yates on 343 was, Hindley was very good today, actually. He came back well. Uh, he, I can't do maths, 25. 40 seconds, 40 seconds behind Yates. And then Rodriguez actually lost a fair bit of time. I think Yates is, Adam, that is, is really locked into that third podium spot now. And UAE are going to throw it, throw themselves behind him too. Uh, Rodriguez cracked a little bit. He lost a fair bit of time on 454. Yep. But Pagaccio loses the stage to Vingegaard by nearly six minutes. Near, I think it was. So... And he was like parking on the last Altipo. He was completely empty. Yeah. Now, about Pogacar for a second. He didn't look his usual self today, whether it's fatigue, whether it's illness and so forth. We don't know, but what he said after the finish is the following. I don't know what happened today, but I arrived empty at the foot of the last climb. If I recover, I will try to win the stage on Saturday. I can, all the food that I eat today didn't go to my legs. So, yeah. I don't know what to declare. He wasn't his usual self. And well, because like even even her like that Jonas can drop Pogachar on this climb is possible. Yeah, Definitely, sure. Definitely. Yeah, 100 percent yeah. But in good form, Pogachar is about maybe a minute behind Max. Man. Maybe more if he completely cracks, but not five minutes. Where Jace is, yeah. And people laughed at me when I said Jace is pretty good on long climbs after fatigue, but he was pretty good. Mate, um, at this rate, at this rate, it is not impossible that your initial prediction at the start of the Tour de France, saying nice. that Pogacar will not podium and Jates will, it's, it's technically possible. Well, Jates will podium, but um, Hindley, unfortunately, the crash really affected him, I think. Yeah. So he's off the podium. He can't make it back. But here's the revised GC. Vingegaard now leads 7 minutes 35 ahead of Tadej Pogacar. Adam Yates in third on 10.45. So obviously big gap from first to second, big gap from second to third. And also a decent gap of 1 minute 16 from Yates now to Rodriguez in fourth. He'll be more, I think, focused on defending fourth from now Simon Yates, 18 seconds behind him and Bilbao, 49 seconds behind him. Hindley is 1 minute behind Bilbao in seventh, but also over two, oh, 2 minutes and 20 seconds ahead of Gull. So I, I really don't see... Uh, the only th moves I now see are Gudu getting in the break on the weekend on, on Saturday yeah. and trying to leapfrog Koos 
I don't think AG2R will allow him to leapfrog gold because Gudu's a minute behind Koos. And maybe Hindley attacks Bilbao and Yates trying to move to fifth. I wouldn't put it past Bora or even fourth. So I think there's a lot of, lot of play from fourth to seventh yep. and then some play from eighth to tenth. But one, two, three uh, looks pretty locked in to me unless Pogaccia has another collapse on Saturday. What do you reckon when it comes to top 10? I also don't see the, the likes of Guillaume Martin, Pinot still fighting for a top no. 10. So it is really that fourth to seventh position that we're looking at and maybe people slipping into the top five, which is an interesting competition, I would say. Now, it's crazy to look back three days ago, a difference of like seven to 10 seconds in GC, to now a difference of seven minutes and 35 seconds between Vingegaard and Pogacar. And I did my research and I just want to announce right now that Vingo right now, sorry, but 7.35, huh, that's a weak gap. Back in my day, when I was looking at Vincenzo Nibali destroying all the peasants <laughs> in the Tour de France 2014, it was JC 7 minutes, Perot, baby. 37, <laughs> two seconds more. Jonas, you're never going to make it. <laughs> Who'd he beat? I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. <laughs> oh, no, that was, that was young Pino. Yeah. Um, nah, I mean, you beat who's there. Mate. What does this mean for Vingard, Benji? This is, this is like Grenon 10 times to the point where what people are saying is Pagacha sick. This is like a complete destruction of UAE and Pagacha by Vingard and, and Yumbo today. Like, what, what is it down to? Pagacha said in an interview afterwards, um, I don't know what happened. I got to the end of the climb really... I got to the base of the last climb really empty. It's like all yeah. the food I ate today didn't go to my legs. A big disappointment. If I recover, I'll try to win the stage on Saturday. Like, I don't think... I, I kind of got his nutrition that wrong. So, like, I don't know. Sounds like there's something wrong. Whether it's the fatigue that kills his body to be able to get that food to where it needs to be, or whether it's illness that leads to that, it doesn't seem like the usual Pogacar. Because like I said before, Pogacar would not lose five minutes on this climb either like that. So I believe it's a combination of both Vingegaard being better on this climb in the first place, on this kind of stage, and there being something wrong with Pogacar. Mm. But yeah, it was sad to see. Like, it's never great to see like a great champion. He won Tour of Flanders and he, you know... If he hadn't got ready after the crash in Liège, Baston Liège, with breaking his wrist or, or whatever, we wouldn't have had, you know, now 17 stages of absolute wall-to-wall -wall action if it hadn't been for Tadej Pogacar. So, yeah. you know, to see him saying, I'm dead and, you know, forget about me with half an hour left in the stage, it, you know, it sucks. To see, you know, yeah, see that happen. But that's it's cycling. It's also like, it also feels like, Yumbo paced throughout the stage, yes. They reacted to Yoei jumping in the breakaway. As in, it's ironic that Kellerman and Bidon got get to the, the breakaway. Break. Yeah, it's ironic that they made it to the breakaway because of Soler and Micah. But outside of that, Ineos was the one pacing later on, next to Nathan van Hooydonk and Long and so forth. So the earlier domestiques of Yumbo did work, but Pogacar collapsed without any brutal action by Yumbo on the last climb either, eh? And I would yeah, have expected... Like Exactly. Cyborg like too. I, I do feel like Pogacar was looking way worse than Alvon 2 today and not in his usual self. And I'll stay by that opinion. He lost 40 seconds in four minutes on Von 2. But yeah, he looked, he still, 
But today was also harder than Von 2, I would guess. I haven't looked at the kilojoule data or power data yet, but I would guess that it was harder today because of 5,000 metres plus elevation. And I also would guess that Laporte and Van Hooydonk paced harder than Roe, but it was I was reminded of Von 2 a lot when I was watching it, and that's why I thought, well, he is, I think he's going to have a big problem here because it's one of these super long attritional stages, and maybe Von 2 was the last one apart from Grenoble. Yeah. And it was the same actors that started pacing. Kwiatkowski, <laughs> Frail, or not Frailer, but Kwiatkowski and Castro. Yeah. And it's like, wow, Ineos have actually, again, they're coming through. Who was Ineos GC leader then? Carapaz. Uh, but it didn't really work out for him. But, um, <laughs> well, no, it's fine. He came third. It was yeah, a good result. True. But, yeah, I was, the parallels to Von 2 were quite cute, quite. But then the problem is this finishes not on ascent and it's steeper and brutal and horrible. So And... Yeah. One more question. When it comes to Pogacar, a lot of people are like, before the Tour de France, his preparation for the Tour was impacted, for example. And people point to that as, oh, he will get better as the race goes on. But is it also not possible that his lack of preparation makes it so he doesn't have as long of a time until he collapses in a Grand Tour? I don't know, honestly. I don't, I don't know what training I don't know either. So Just thinking. Yeah. You could spin it any way you like, and yeah. people will. People will spin it and say, UAE were too aggressive chasing bonus seconds. And, they had to. And, and, and you know, they, they wasted energy there. They will say he peaked too early in the tour, even though he was bad on Marie Blanc and then, you know, looked like he was coming into good form. So I think it's tough to spin it. Yeah, but they'll be spin, maybe sick, whatever. I don't think so. I think, um, yeah, like hard. I, I've been saying this for a while, like hard, long stages in hot conditions, often to high altitude with 50-minute, one-hour climbs, is not, is not where he's his best. He's not yeah. usually like this, but it's not where he's been his best. And today was that on a very extreme. But also Grenon was a severe crisis too. Like he lost three minutes in... Four and a half kilometers. Like if Vingegaard had attacked earlier, he would have lost a lot of time on more time on Grenon too. That was a severe crisis. So it is a weakness, um, yeah. quite obviously. And and maybe even UAE knew that because yeah, the Micah thing was really curious to me. Um, and like the crash probably didn't help. But when it comes to today's finish, like it shows how hard it is by the fact that Vingegaard can't just bridge to every breakaway rider super easily either. Yeah, He's also yeah. at his limit. And you see also the moment that he catches up with Kelderman, it's also like, like Kelderman, because he's fresher because of the waiting that he had to be doing on Vingegaard, it also looked like Kelderman was able to go faster for a bit than Vingegaard would be able to at that time. So I had to adapt for a bit. Then Vingegaard was able to go afterwards again. But it's such an instant climb and they can do this more at the end of a, at, at the end of a race. Because we said it the first time around in 2020, if I recall, that this stage can come back. They made it come back on this stage and it was a a really good battlefield where a lot of stuff could have happened the middle of the stage was a bit meh the start of the stage was great the end of the stage was pretty active as well but i think if gc is closer on a stage like this shit can really go down i know and yeah imagine if miguel Angel lopez was here he would have caught felix go from the gc <laughs> group mate the thing would have been destroyed for sure <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, you know, uh, we, I guess we've got a preview tomorrow, Benji. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, 
obviously the tour is barring accident or incident is decided now. I don't believe Pogaccia will be able to take back eight minutes, obviously, in the <laughs> in the Vosch stage. So, you know, that's a shame. But as as we said, there's more to uh more to play for in yeah. the fourth to tenth positions, and I think they're gonna be super active on that stage. But tomorrow we have from Moutier to Bourg en Bresse, 185Ks, the uh, apart from Champs Elysees, the only sprint stage we've had in the last two weeks, apart from stage eleven. It is. Mm-hmm. It's got two Cat 4s. No one cares about them for KOM. Uh, they're like 4.8%. Intermediate sprint. Then the last climb, 15Ks from the finish. Big ring climb, 2Ks, 3%. You know, Groenewegen, he's here. Bauhaus had to abandon today. He was unwell, I believe. Wellswood, I think, made it through. Uh, most other people did. Uh, I don't know, Benji, because you make your sprinter fight yeah. all this way, and stage 19, I think, will be breakaway. And then you say, ah, but you know what? You're kind of shit, and Alperson are way too good <laughs> with Philipson, so we're actually going to go for the breakaway today, even though that is the correct thing to do. It is the correct thing to do, because Philipson recovers so well compared to the other pure sprinters. Yeah. But it'd be so demoralizing if you just made it over call to lows and your sprinter and your team says, actually, don't believe in your chances today. Um, maybe they get in the break. I don't know. I'd love to see it. What do you think tomorrow? Is it just a nailed-on sprint because... Jayco will just pace with Alperson anyway. Philipson nailed on victory. I'm not even going to say nailed on sprint. Philipson nailed on victory. Yeah. I feel like he's the best one to get through these mountain stages of the riders that are there. Wout Fanard could also, but I also feel like Fanard has to spend more than Philipson has to on these kind of stages. Even with the fact that he dropped relatively early in Col La Lose, he needed to be there early on to stay within that group to make sure he's there just in case it, Vingegaard needs him. And we see that in the early phase of the race when they tried to launch Kuss, for example, today to the breakaway. In that phase, Fanado was dropped for a bit and then he had to pace back together with Laporte to the, to the group. So Philipson doesn't need to do that on this, on this kind of stage. So that's why I'm, I'm leaning towards Philipson as well. And with the other pure sprinters, like, Philipson just has the best lead out, eh? Like, yeah. is single thumbs out, right? I think. I think, but, he, I think he is, but still Rickard and Vanderpool yeah. are still here. That's enough, man. A rider less to pull, though, but then again, they don't pull with their entire team pull. anyway. I mean, they, they might put Dillier to manage the breakaway or somebody yeah. else, but I'm going to go with Pedersen. Um, I just think Pedersen, his TT really impressed me, and I, I think yeah. he's been, I think he's in really, really good shape, and Trekker got to put something. They've got to reward him, and it might be from the breakaway, and I think, I think okay, Jayco might pull, but Intermarche, Trek, uh, some other teams, they're not going to surely... Just let Alperson have an easy stage to control and let Philipson win a fifth time. So <laughs> I think there might be some more teams that are being realistic. Uh, Quickstep now is one of them with Asgren and wanting to jump in the breakaway. So the, the break has an okay chance, but uh, so yeah, I'm going Pedersen from the breakaway. I'd love to see Laporte go in the breakaway because he can't feel the chain right now and he actually looks better than Van Aert. By the way, random thing I want to mention. Remember that moment on the climb when Ben O'Connor was done when it comes to his work? He drops completely and the pizza dude comes with too. food. Didn't look like a pizza. It <laughs> was it pizza? Like, it looked like think, barbecue meat for me. Oh, I, didn't, I think it might have been pizza undercooked. But, okay. Um, <laughs> so maybe funny. Ben did take a, take a slice. I'll ask him. Um, <laughs> he looked like he did. And he was like, oh no. Because yeah, he just imagine, parked Edgeo. Imagine you park Edgeo at 2,000 meters scarf was, <laughs> and you just done six watts per kilo for 30 minutes. The guy was you pizza slice. You just go... <laughs> 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 
have that on your pizza, buddy. <laughs> yeah, some funny oh, moments. Sorry, I had to mention that. <laughs> anyway, let us know what you think about the. I think the next day is definitely a breakaway, but yeah, I think a pretty cruisy day tomorrow, and uh, we'll see. We'll see if, if people want to put Alperson under pressure. I hope they do, uh, but if they don't, your man Philipson is going to be taking another win. Hope you enjoyed the podcast as always, and we'll see you with a recap tomorrow. Till then, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.